Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. So I've got some stuff I would like to get into this morning. But before, I have some new jokes. Thank God. Jimbo's going to walk out after the jokes. No, I'm just kidding. So they're corny, but I like them. So, Y'all ready for some new ones? <laughs> I bought the world's worst thesaurus yesterday. Not only is it terrible, it's terrible. All right. I'll try this side. <laughs> None of them never heard of a thesaurus. I'm just picking. Sometimes I tuck my knees into my chest and lean forward. That's just how I roll. A man walks into a library and orders a hamburger. The librarian says, this is a library. The man apologizes and whispers, I'd like a hamburger. (laughs) That was way better than your response. That was so good. (laughs) Husband is having a, a discussion with his wife. The husband says, oh, the weather outside is lovely today. Shall we go out for a quick jog? The wife laughed. I love the way you pronounce, shall we go out and eat cake? That was good. <laughs> and one everyone can relate to. I forgot my cell phone when I went to the restroom the other day. We have 245 tiles. Oh, come on. <laughs> come on. Y'all catch it on the way home. Forget your phone and go to the restroom. It's just wasted time. What happened? Just kidding. Man, that was so good. All right, come on. Uh, Josh is going to throw up a, a quote for me right quick. But uh, I'm just going to take my time and go through this. Uh, I want you guys, before we go into the message, I want you guys to be praying for us. Me, my wife, and uh, Alicia, uh, along with another girl from here in town. We'll be leaving at 8 in the morning, headed to New Orleans. We'll fly out about 3 o'clock tomorrow evening. We're headed to Kenya, Africa for a couple weeks Go. Preach the gospel. We're going to have healing crusades in the evening time. We're just believing for an outpouring of the Spirit over there. So, if you would, anytime we come to mind, please be in prayer for us. We're just believing God for some incredible things. Uh, in the process, uh, I've been in a, uh, a process for a little bit now, and it was derived out of this uh, statement here. I was reading a book by John Tyson, and it's called The Burden is Light. And as a person, I'm driven by the fact that everything that was in this gospel that Jesus did, he never failed to let us know this was our design. So Jesus wasn't just doing something that we would read about one day that may create faith in us. He was actually telling us, this is who you are to be. That's why he said, if you die, you are resurrected in me. He wasn't just trying to create an image like him. He was trying to create his exact image. It was never a fact of, I'm going to take my identity into Christianity, shape it, mold it, and hope it turns out to look like Jesus. It means that I actually lose every bit of the identity I created outside of a relationship, and I get to be resurrected in His. This is our design. But what I begin to notice is, especially in the desire to see the supernatural, and just not just supernatural, but to walk in all the things that Christ has made available. Sometimes we get to a place and we start stepping into self-reliance, And we don't recognize what it is because we're still in proximity. So I want you to listen to me very carefully. We were created to be a dependent people. We were created to be fully dependent. 
And I know it's kind of hard and it's easy to say, well, yeah, I'm fully dependent on God. But a lot of times we don't recognize we're in our own functionality, our own ability, in our own reliance of who we are and what we can do. And the whole time have it wrapped in this wrapping paper called Christianity. The whole time, never experiencing the glory of God experiencing burnout, tire out, pain, chaos in our minds. And we go through all these struggles the whole time wondering what's going on. But what I begin to learn is sometimes we find ourselves with all the desires of God that he put in our heart in connection to him, but then we apply our natural ability to God dreams. Our God is a dreamer. He said, I thought of you before the foundations of the world. He wasn't just telling you, I just thought about you before the foundations of the world. He was actually exposing his nature as a dreamer. Because before you were ever on this planet, he dreamed of who you would be. He set aside a destiny and a purpose for your life that would only be lived out through the power of the Holy Spirit. So too often we get in this mold of Christianity through proximity. And through proximity, God begins to give us his heart. But the only thing is, if I have God's heart and I try to accomplish it through my natural ability, that is what we would call burdensome. And in this book, the burden is light. And also in the scripture, he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I recognize that God's plan for my life was never going to be a weight I couldn't handle. As a matter of fact, if it gets to weightiness, I've missed something somewhere. Because for him to say, your yoke is easy and my burden is light, then that means every bit of engagement with Christ would be non-tiresome, joyful, uh, at ease. That's even hard to wrap our minds around because we think of Christianity as a forceful walk. But Christianity was actually designed to walk in peace, joy, and the fruits of the Holy Spirit through connection, not by my own ability. It would be like I have the dreams to go to the NBA. And somebody prophesies, oh, you're going to the NBA, and even writes me a contract. But then I go get tennis equipment for my first day on the court. It's kind of silly, ain't it? But we do the same thing. In proximity to God, the moment we step into full reliance on Jesus Christ, he begins to unfold, uncover all these things he set apart for us in our destiny. And the whole time, it's an invitation to engagement. The invitation to engagement is in the invitation into full reliance. But if I observe it as captivating to, for me to walk out something, like, let me word that better. If I get in, intrigued by the things he begins to unfold and then with my own hands try to produce what I'm seeing in my spirit, then I step into a place where his burden is no longer light. So let's check this out. I'm going to read scripture and then we'll pray. The life we long for is not something we discover or invent or declare to be true. The life we long for is something we receive. Nowhere in that statement do I see that I could do this, that I could obtain this. I can't quote scripture till I'm blue in the face that will step me into my destiny. It's a received place. It's a heart posture understanding that you will never be able to accomplish or reach full satisfaction in your own ability. That's why sin is so engulfing. Sin is nothing you can dabble in. It always pulls you deep. Because the desire of our DNA was created by God to be in coexistence with God. So my DNA, separate from the nature and presence of God, is a void in my life that I will always strive to fulfill. 
That's why Christianity today is a revolving door, an up and down, high and low, because we step into success and failure and they channel us into our own ability. Because see, I can tell you that it's not just failure that will drive you into work. It's also success. Because if you don't keep the right posture and realize that this entire walk was meant for full dependency. When I say full dependency, I want you to think in your mind. What do you think of? Just process it in your mind. Prayer, study. Uh, I want to pray over my family. You know, I want to be good. I want to be more good. You know, I want, I want, to, I want to resolve to be like Christ. No, full dependency means you question your purchase decisions through the Holy Spirit. Full dependency makes you question, how are we going to approach this sickness with my child? I want you to begin to draw from everything in your life because full dependency means I am literally not going to resolve anything in my life outside the presence of God. I'm not created for it. That's why we see areas of our lives that actually grow, but these areas are dying. Well, I'm good in this area, I'm strong in this area, but this area is very poor and I'm failing in it because we separate what we're willing to engage in and we'll give God the things that we're actually comfortable with. I want to engage in what I don't have certainty to because I have control. And if I have control, it removes uncertainty to an extent, so therefore I'm comfortable, but we never see the presence. I never see the presence in this area because I've stepped into full dependency on myself. On how I can process, how I can pray, how I can study it out, how I can make it happen. But the whole time, everything Jesus did was just to get us back in connection. It was never to get us back into a knowledge of the gospel. Listen to me. I have a knowledge of the gospel because of my relationship with Christ. But my relationship with Christ produces a knowledge of the gospel. I don't affirm a knowledge of the gospel and then hope the relationship with Christ comes later. It's the relationship and intimacy with Christ that produces a hunger to know him better, which is the word. It's an actual book full of God's nature oozing in different situations. But we leap ahead for knowledge and we abandon relationship. And then therefore, we actually become dependent on my knowledge. And my knowledge produces pride. Pride is the enemy of faith. Andrew Murray said that the gifts of God are so free and so close that the only way we could not live in them is because something is stopping them. It's not because God is distant and doesn't want you to live in his fullness. It's because something has entered our lives that has separated us from the inheritance. And it's pride. Pride comes in so many forms. We've looked at pride for so long as me puffed up because I did something good. That is a form of pride. But pride is self-reliance. Pride is the ability to think that you can do something in and of yourself that was destined to be tied to God. Because we have God desires, God dreams. God. The fact that you would ever think, let's, let's just take this from a logical perspective for a second, that somebody would be sick and you pray for them to get healed. There's nothing logical about that in the natural. Amen? I'm tapping into what I cannot see to a God that I cannot see and faith that he's going to come through because that is his nature. But when we resolve to logical thinking, we step into our ability and we will not engage God for his answers to situations that only he can change. 
So we process and process and process and go to doctors and take their advice. And I'm not against doctors. If you're a doctor in here, thank you for what you do. That's not what I'm saying. We never search God for his answers because we run to our full extent of ability before we ever turn to God. People will run headlong until they smoke the end of their inability and then they're in rock bottom and in shambles and then we cry out to God. Why don't we begin to cultivate lives that we actually get to walk with God before we ever find rock bottom? Because this, this uh, Christianity that has no power and I'm a victim to the world and darkness is around me, that is pathetic and it is not Christ's destiny for anybody in this building. But what we do is we run our race and our ability the whole time eventually going to exhaust what we can do. If you haven't met the end of your ability yet, it's coming. Because one day somebody's going to get sick. One day you're going to run out of money. One day something's going to happen where the only thing that's going to shift it is God. And in that moment, you will have a divining factor. You'll either become a victim of your situation and retract from relationship, or you will dive headlong into a walk that was meant for full abandonment. I never prayed. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your goodness and this word. I love you. Amen. Well, that was good. I love long prayers. So I want y'all to check some scripture out with me. Uh, first, let's read Colossians 1, 12 through 17. Josh has got this. Before I leave that, let's stay here for a second. Take that off with me. <laughs> uh, so here's what's happening in the exhaustion of our ability. If you've ever at any point in your life processed how you view yourself, view, that's how you say that, in comparison to someone else, I want you to raise your hand. At any point, you looked at yourself and compared yourself to someone else, and that's how you got your view of yourself. We've all done it. Holy Spirit gave me a divine revelation of where comparison comes from. It's a people in a community connected to God that run the race in their own ability, so therefore I measure your ability to my ability, and I'm always going to find someone else with a better natural ability. It's like when I was growing up. My dad always used to tell me, it don't matter how bad a guy is at fighting, there's always somebody out there that can kick his butt. <laughs> no matter what. No matter how tough you think, there's always somebody on the planet that can whip you. And it's the same way. That's a terrible analogy. Man, y'all stop me when I do things like that. Accountability, guys, community. No. But what's crazy is we exhaust our ability, and then comparison comes in because there's going to be somebody that's a better mom than you. There's going to be somebody that's a better dad. There's going to be somebody that's a better preacher, a better minister, a better uh, husband, a better wife. There's going to be somebody. But we have adapted ourselves to the place that I run my life through my own ability, so I'm in constant comparison to your physical ability. But because my life was never meant to be lived in physical ability, I'm pulling and drawing from wells because I'm inadequate. Because when I'm inadequate, I need to recognize that you're better than me. And therefore, if I put myself in a position to try to copy you, then I might fulfill this void I have in my heart. So complacency is plaguing us in every area of our lives the whole time wondering, where's God at? And the whole time is God is saying, I meant for you to tap into my ability and be a co-laborer. I meant for you to draw from my well, live from my life, live from my ability, live from my fruits, but the whole time we're striving and driving with God destinies that are drowning us. Have a desire to see the hick heal, the, the hick heal, 
Even the hicks want to be healed, man. Come on, bro. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Keep it on track. No, just kidding. <laughs> have a desire to, have the, to see this. <laughs> man. This is your fault. I don't know who, how it's Josh's fault, but it seems like it is. You have a desire to see this Bible come alive in your life because you can't spend proximity, time with God, and not have his heart's desires. So you have a desire to see the Bible come to life in your life, and you do it in your own ability. It actually becomes a weight and a burden. Imagine wanting to see the sick healed, but trying to do it by your ability. You'll actually become depressed in your dream. No, you didn't hear me. Imagine having God desires within you that are drawing you to a greatness that you actually have this joyful expectation to live in because God gave it to you. You try to accomplish a natural ability and it's total failure. So then your dreams actually become things you want to die. Our dreams become something I actually want to push to the side and hope I forget about because it's not happening. It's not working. Can I tell you, to walk in the walk God has called you to, and there's nobody in here excluded. If you have a personal relationship with Christ, it's, the, it's everybody. To walk in signs, wonders, and miracles that are the proof our God is God. If you have that desire, but you do it in your ability, you'll live in a place where you cannot fake joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You can fake morals. You can fake church. You can fake relationship. But you cannot fake fruit. It says that he is the vine dresser. Jesus is the vine and I am the branch. The only reason you have fruit on your life is through connection. You can fake connection... You can fake relationship, but you can never fake fruit. So fakeness comes from me living in my personal ability, relying upon myself. Because this relationship was created for full dependency. So for me to proclaim a relationship with God, but be in full dependency upon myself, I'm actually fake. And fake fruit, not fake fruit, fake relationship will not produce fruit. You can't fake it. So you begin to realize the state you're in is being exposed because I'm not producing what I claim should be coming out of my life. It's a moment that will define you when you realize that what I'm craving I cannot produce and I'm either going to have to back out or I'm going to have to abandon full in. There's actually no in-between here. It may last for a little while in this this middle-of-the-road state. And what I mean by it is, is I'm praying, I'm studying, but never taking engagement with God and applying it to my life. It will only last for a season. And then I promise you're going to run out of your means to stay strong in this walk. Because my strength is only drawn from the Father. 
The joy of the Lord is my strength. Everything in this walk that I need to live out the dreams and God desires within me is in direct connection to Jesus. So to try to produce them out of any other entity will rob me of strength and destroy my joy. Colossians 1, 12 through 17. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us. Say qualified. qualified. Say it like you mean it. Qualified. qualified. Come on. It means something. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us. Say delivered. delivered. From the power of darkness and conveyed. Say conveyed. conveyed. Us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Qualified, delivered, and conveyed. Conveyed actually breaks down to carried. You were qualified, not by your own means. You were delivered, not by your own means. And you were carried into a place you couldn't walk in. You were qualified, you were delivered, and you were carried. Everything about Christianity is nothing you can do. Let me deliver somebody this morning. Nothing. You have no dog in this hunt. You have no physical ability to live out Christianity. You don't have it. It's only through relationship with Christ. That's why we struggle so hard with the death. We celebrate the resurrection, but we cannot take the death. Because the death is literally saying, I do not have the ability in this walk. And I'm going to have to lose my self-made identity and receive the identity of Christ. And it's such a struggle when you have produced an identity in good things. So like you're striving to be a good mother, a good husband, a good aunt, good uncle. Pick anything that you and yourself would think, I'm good at that. That, can I tell you that's not the best God has for you? That God actually produced you to be a godmother and a godfather and, a, and, and he produced you to live in a power that your kids are actually affected by the presence you carry. But when we create an image outside of relationship with God and then we try to draw from it in Christianity, it wears us out and we never see the fullness of Christ. We'll live our whole lives and wonder why it never came to life because it cannot come to life in you. It can only come to life in Christ. Christ, he said, Christ in us is the hope of glory. There's no hope of glory in Colby. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. When you have a hope for glory, but you live within yourself, you've crushed the hope with still having the desire for glory. Listen to me. You still have the desire to see God, but there's no hope. Because it's only in Christ that you have the hope to see his glory. 
Christ, at the end of these scriptures, it goes on to say who Jesus is. He was the Word. God is Word. It, everything was produced through Him and for Him. He's the Son of the living God, perfect, blemish, blemish free, with no sin. He was absolutely perfect. And let's go to John. John chapter 5, verse 19. Most surely I say to you, the Son can do nothing of Himself, but what He sees the Father do. Verse 30, I can do, I can of myself do nothing. Verse 41, I do not receive honor from men. Chapter 7, my doctrine is not mine, but he, he is who sent me. Verse 28, 728, then Jesus cried out as he taught in the temple saying, You both know me and you know where I am from, and I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true, whom you do not know. Chapter 8, verse 28. When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He and that I do nothing of myself. But as my Father taught me, I speak these things. I don't even talk unless I hear God speaking. Verse 50. And I do not seek my own glory. Jesus was way better than anybody in this room. And He said, I refuse to do anything of myself. Perfect blemish free, sin-free Savior that came to save the world. He was perfect in and of Himself and He still never chose to produce from in and of Himself. You couldn't find a flaw in Him. He didn't have one. And He still said, do not honor me. The only good in me is my Father. No pride. He come in perfect humility. The world was saved on the shoulders of a man with perfect humility and divine love. But you cannot have divine love without perfect humility because you can only live in divine love by the Father's goodness over your life. We try to produce the things of God in our own ability and we are becoming tired. We're becoming worn out. We can't be the fathers and mothers that we have the desire in our heart to be because we were created with a DNA that cannot exist apart from God. And you can live in prayer life. You can have a study life the whole time being fully dependent on your own ability. And God is saying, when will you come through me? We're tired, we're worn out, and we're not seeing the glory of God. We're not. This knowledge of Christianity is going to do nothing for the world. You can have an awesome knowledge, but the presence and glory never be on your life. You will have no effect. The darkness in this world is not worried about your knowledge of strength. It's worried about are you producing strength? There's people that are hurting and dying and they need to see you actually produce strength, not give them a knowledge of strength. They need you to produce supernatural, not say you believe in supernatural. Man, your belief in supernatural with no production means nothing. It's a head knowledge. Head knowledge does not save. Head knowledge does not heal. Head knowledge will not save. And we're, we were created to be billboards for the goodness of God that are in constant display of His glory. But I cannot do it in and of myself. Jesus couldn't do it. Why would I ever think I could? As a matter of fact, I'm to the point that why would we even stay in Christianity in our own ability? Why? Why? It's a burden. There's nothing light about it. It's tiresome. It wears you out. I was not created to do this in and of my own strength. And, and what's amazing to me, especially if you're a part of this house, we've been growing and seeing miracles and see God do amazing things. And as your spirit begins to be provoked, I promise you, if it doesn't uh, translate into personal relationship, it just becomes a burden. 
You can be around the most anointed men and women on the planet and it will become a burden because it's not translating into your abandonment. Why do we want to keep identities we created apart from God? If God is our desire, I'm created in his likeness and image, and then I veered off and go create my own image and try to pull it back into Christianity and put his characteristics all over, all the while it sustaining nothing. It will not sustain glory. It will not sustain character. It will not sustain anything. And we hold on to it so strongly. We are not meant to create an image that looks like Jesus. We are resurrected in Jesus. We are him in him. Come on. I'm serious. We're in. We are him in him. It says he was the firstborn among many brethren. I was created to be him. That's not heresy. It's the Bible. Don't look at me like I'm crazy. That's fine. I don't care. But it's in him, Christ in me, the hope of glory. So what I'm beginning to understand is the only effect we have on the darkness is when they can't see me. We become dependent on our experience thus far. Not just in and of ourselves, but our experience thus far. Uh... Four years ago, about four or five years ago. I'm terrible with timelines, but it was the first year we had the soup kitchen here. I started seeing that there was a huge disconnect between this word of God and the Christianity I was living in. Because you cannot read this and think that your life of Christianity was meant for some have power and some don't. Some are anointed for it, some don't. One standard. Don't go to Job. Don't go anywhere else. Go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and read it until you're blue in the face. Jesus was the standard. Once you do that and you have that secure in your heart and understand your identity, then we'll talk about Job. Get in the gospel. Find out who you were created to be. And I begin to read it and I begin to understand my life doesn't look like Jesus. I'm not praying for the sick. They're not getting healed. They're not getting restored. Where's the disconnect? So I begin to push into my identity. And when I began to push into God, he began to show me my identity. And we had our soup kitchen, and a lady came to our soup kitchen that was diagnosed with cancer and had six months to live. And I was actually working nights at my last job. My wife called me and wanted me to pray over the phone for this lady. Prayed over the phone for her, blessed her, prayed to God, healed the cancer, commanded it to go. We got off the phone. About a year later, I come to a soup kitchen that I was all for, and she was there. A year later. She was there, completely cancer-free. All her hair had grown back. Fast forward two years, prayed for a lady very near to my heart that was diagnosed with cancer. She died. A little bit forward, prayed for another person that was diagnosed with cancer, passed away. In our lives, we have to choose who we will be by the Word of God. This walk is about faith. It's not always about experience. Because if I don't have experience that aligns with this truth, then I cannot live by my experience. When they died, I was heartbroken. But I had to understand that it was not God's will that they die. I had to understand that I had stepped into unbelief. There was a disconnect between heaven and earth when I'm called to be a conduit for it. And I didn't draw my dependency off of my experience thus far. So when I see someone who has cancer, it's time to pray because God heals cancer. 
Not because I've seen failure, but because I know by the word of God he heals cancer. Some of you in here have prayed for things and it didn't turn out the way you thought it should. And you draw every reaction to every situation from one failure, from two failures. I don't care if you got a pile of them. Who will you choose to be? Who will you choose to serve? Will you draw from a well that is not God's, which is your own ability, which is a production that you're putting on and you're living in a false reality thinking that this is who God is and is not? We've categorized God into an identity that we created through bad experiences. Can I tell you, if you draw from bad experiences, you will never see the glory of God in your life? I'm not always the best at it, but I'll tell you what I do. Every time somebody gets healed, I write it down. Every time, I write it down. Every time I've seen somebody get healed, I write it down. I put it in a folder on my iPad. Put it in a folder on my phone. And I read them pretty often. I'll lay in bed at night, and I just can't sleep. I pick them up and I read them. Because I want my faith to be built on what I know about God. And you know what I do with the failure? I try to forget about them. I don't write them down. I don't think about them. I push them out of my mind and I press into the presence of God. Because what I have in me was created to break up the darkness. But if I draw from my inability and my inexperience, then I will fail. I'm not, I won't be a failure in God's eyes. I'll exhaust myself. And Christianity will no longer be a joyful walk with a father that loves me well. It'll become a burden and I won't understand why I'm even here. A lot of times that's what happens when people just start going through wandering phases of trying to figure out why I'm here, what I'm going through, what is this, what is this, all these questions. And we just begin to be burdened down with questions because we forgot we weren't supposed to be drawing from what we can answer. Jesus was the standard, nothing in and of himself. We can't live this life with the knowledge of God's strength. Knowledge is not manifested in actual power until we become reliant on his ability. The greatest victory in human history came in absolute humility and unrelenting love. Can I tell you, there's some of you in here that can never associate Christianity with rest. Christianity looks like a job. Christianity looks like something you're trying to obtain. But can I tell you that this Walk was created for the most peace and rest you could ever imagine. Rest is not the enemy of action. It is the enemy of restlessness. Boom. Webster. (laughs) We get scared that if we're in rest, we're not doing this thing right. Because that's how we've been programmed. That if I can actually relax in my identity in Christ Jesus, I'm doing something wrong. I got to be forcing something. I got to be battling. I got to put on the armor of God. Fight, 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 fight. That's what I do. Fight, fight, fight. And I tell you that it said that Jesus defeated all darkness, all principalities. And if I'm resurrected in Christ Jesus, it doesn't sound like a fight. It sounds like a declaration. Can I tell you that when he's talked about the armor of God, he wasn't talking about a man suiting up and going on to a war field. He was talking about a man that was clothed in strength. He was clothed in the things of God in a spiritual walk. That they cannot affect me because I have armor that protects me from the things of this world. It wasn't men I was putting on just ready to fight, fight, fight my whole life. Strive, struggle, got to have victory, got to have victory. No. 
It was defeated in Christ Jesus. If everything was defeated by the cross, I'm resurrected in Him. Sounds like I'm already victorious. That's why I'm starting to recognize. I'm starting to recognize when I'm in my ability. Because it becomes, let's suit up, let's go. You know, I'm going to fight, struggle. If I pray loud enough in tongues, every devil around here is going to hear me and it's going down. Like, if I yell, if I yell loud enough where Miss Mary can hear me over there, like, accomplishment. Got it. That was good prayer. No, it's not. It looks like rest. It looks like peace. It looks like joy. It looks like the fruits of the Spirit. It looks like Jesus. Man, there's so much there. <sighs> Success and failure. Success and failure has the ability to produce self-reliance. Success has translated in our culture culture as personal ability, which is translated to self-reliance. Failure seems like personal destruction because our trust was in our ability, not God's beauty. Failure affects your identity when you were drawing your identity the whole time. Because when I fail, but my, my identity is in Christ, I understand that he's not a failure, so neither am I. When failure affects you negatively and you begin to believe about yourself what God doesn't believe, you can recognize right then that you were drawing your identity from your ability, never from God's goodness, never from God's glory, never from his presence. I want to give you the things that you can begin to recognize. When we live in this place, we fear risk, we fear relationships, and we fear openness. Because if I'm drawing my identity from my personal ability, my past relationships that failed will provoke me to not have any in the future. When I was open before and got taken advantage of, got violated in a relationship, got hurt, my heart got hurt, my mind, my spirit got hurt in an open relationship, then I begin to recognize, well, I won't have any more. I'll just close myself off. It's because we're drawing our ability, we're drawing our identity from our ability. Because if you draw your identity from Christ, you cannot be affected by the darkness of this planet. People can hurt you, you can still live in openness because you were created to co-mingle, co-exist with community and family. But we avoid relationships, we avoid openness, and we avoid risk. Can I tell you, you'll never see the supernatural without risk? I tell y'all, I've had, I tell y'all the testimonies of people getting healed, but I could tell y'all some that, oh, they're not good. That they were total failure, flat on my face, missed it, got laughed at, cussed at. I got a lot of those stories too. But I don't fear risk because my identity was never in how the result was going to be. Before I ever stepped into the risk, my identity was already secure. It's good. Can I tell you that when somebody lashes out at this is a side note, it has nothing to do with it. When somebody lashes out at you, it says that the world is groaning in eager expectation for the sons to be revealed. That can I tell you that sometimes lashing out, being rude at you, is the world groaning? What we think is offensive, God sees as they're groaning. We get offended, retract into ourselves because our identity is in our own ability. So therefore, I would have had a good identity if you would have accepted me well. I would have had a good identity if that risk would have went well. If that person would have gotten healed, I would have had really secure identity. It would have been good identity. I mean, people got healed. 
But can I, can I tell you that you'll never get to walk in the supernatural if you draw your ability by the result of the situation? You'll get it on the way home. Take notes. Dreaming. We are God's children with God's dreams meant to be fulfilled in God's power. God dreams being forced by natural ability is a burden too heavy for any man to carry. Y'all stand with me. Dang. I'm going to get y'all out early. What? Y'all have to take a selfie at the Mexican restaurant and send it to Pastor. <laughs> with a clock in the back. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Will you come play with me? For me? <laughs> Whatever. I'm not playing. So, uh... <laughs> Don't overlook the seriousness of my heart by my humor. I, I just love to have fun. This is, I'll have a blast doing this. <clears throat> but there's somebody in here that keeps struggling with this loop you're on. It's like just con- it's continuous. Like you, you start gaining strength, gaining ground, clarity, and then back around the loop. Because it's Jesus, Jesus, you. So, relying on Christ, relying on Christ, situation pops up, self-reliance. And then when I fail in self-reliance, I start back on the loop again. Condemnation, guilt, shame, everything that's drawn from self-reliance. And then hopefully one day I have a breakthrough and I'll get back to, to staying on Jesus. This was never meant to be the process of a Christian's life. So I just want to pray and bless this house. If you want to come pray at the altars, that's fine. Let the altar call be, God, forgive me for relying on myself because I was never meant to be that way. If you've just been doing this thing in your own ability, in your own strength, and you've become your own God, you make your own decisions, and God does not have a say in your walk, maybe it is time to ask for some forgiveness. Maybe it is time to get him back centered, to get him enthroned above our lives, in our lives. Let him be what everything flows from. There's peace. I don't have to have total success in my life in this place because God has my identity so wrapped up in his nature that I can stay right here. It's okay. Like, it's okay. I can take on this lie because it's just going to be okay. Not only am I just going to take on this lie, but I'm going to live in a way that shows God's glory to the people around me. So what I want to pray over this house today is that we actually begin to recognize when we become self-reliant. When we have become prideful. When our pride is beginning to actually destroy our faith. There's some areas some people are believing in and your faith is just growing dim. Because you're just drawing from your well right now. So I want to pray over this house because some of you today, I'm prophesying right now, that some of you today are going to walk into this place and your dreams are going to come back alive because you're actually investing who you are and the future of your life into the Father's hands. Because this house, it has been prophesied, this house is going to a place where the signs, wonders, and miracles of God are poured out. People get healed here, get set free here, and it's going to continue to grow. But you are a part of that prophetic word you're meant to go to your job and disrupt darkness you're meant to go out in the community and disrupt darkness it's what you were created for if you have a longing in your heart for it recognize that you didn't create it on your own but it's given by God 
So let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much that I don't have to do this in me. I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, let your spirit of rest begin to pour into the son and daughter's heart that would say, I just don't want to do this in my own strength anymore. I want to know what it's like to have a mind of peace. I want to know what it's like to be at rest. I want to know what it's like to dream with God and they not become a burden. Father, begin to renew some people's heart right now in your presence. Let our our senses be so heightened to when we're pulling from our wells and our strength. God, that we could just begin to say, I give it all away. I rest in who you are, Jesus. God, let us be like the one coming out of the wilderness, leaning on our beloved. We want to lean into you. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Thank y'all so much. Love y'all. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.